listening to The 30 Podcast. Here's your host, Jazz Kang. All right, welcome to another episode of The 30 Podcast, brought to you, of course, by SilverScreenAndRoll.com, where we have you covered with Lakers content, updated daily stats, opinions, analysis, you name it, we got it. And don't forget to check out the podcast network as well. You can subscribe on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get your fix, we are there. Our latest episode of Can You Dig It was a good one. Uh, came out yesterday looking at which centers the Lakers could potentially sign in the summer. Big name out there, of course, is Boogie Cousins. All right, recording this on a Thursday night. Saw a pretty interesting video on Twitter today. If you haven't seen it yet, check it out. The account is at Pickup Hoop. Did a pretty nice matchup of the uh, great Jerry West comments on Stephen A. Smith show about the Lakers and some clips of Magic Johnson's comments basically over the last year, how he's looked at things. Magic really came out to look pretty ridiculous out of it. you got to check it out online. Joining me to discuss that and some other Lakers topics as well, a dude who does it all for ESPN. show on ESPN LA Radio. You can check him out sometime around the horde and the jump. And a guy who actually got Greg Popovich to smile during a coach's interview. <laughs> Quarters, George Sedano. What's up, my man? Hey, Jazz. How are you, man? Thank you for the uh, great intro. Uh, I appreciate it. Oh no, no problem. That that was what, actually a highlight for me to see that with Popovich. I was like, wow. You know what? The 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 comeback there was quick on your feet to say, hey, should I go with the second one? Because because you had a good reaction out of him right away. Yeah, yeah. Listen, man. It was a gr- <laughs> trust me. It was my career highlight too. I was. Uh, <laughs> jokingly telling my bosses I may retire after that one, but they, uh, they held me to my job and my contract, so I did not, unfortunately, retire after that. Well, look at what you do for the company. Of course they're going to keep you on, man. It'd be a sunk cost for them if they didn't. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I, do, I definitely do a lot. There is no question. So. Well, we were, we were talking about it a little bit before we jumped on here. You, you, ran, that, uh, you ran that clip on, the, on your show today as well. And again, you can check them out on ESPN LA Radio. Uh, how much, when you watched that, what was your first reaction seeing, you know, seeing the comments kind of put side by side? I saw it and, I, you know, look, I, 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 my reaction was to laugh because it, it just shows, right, the, di- the distinct differences between someone in Jerry West even though he's just a consultant at this stage, that is a champion architect in the NBA and a guy in Magic Johnson who, look, in my opinion, Jazz, is the greatest Laker player in the history of their franchise and obviously is just a pillar of the community in Southern California and beyond, but he's a rookie at building a franchise. And it just, look, that stuff that he said, I was actually at that summer league game where they have the, if you watch the video, it's magic sitting at a, at a table at summer league with Mark Jones and Chauncey Billups. I was on that broadcast on the sidelines that night and I'm sitting there listening to that. And I'm going like, he's doubling down on everything that everyone else is saying is the wrong way to go about this. Um, long story short, the way I approached this off season, when I saw who they were signing, was to take the stance of, man, listen, you can't reinvent the wheel, Jazz, when it comes to building a team around LeBron James. (laughs) Okay? Basically, if you go back to the first stint in Cleveland, those last couple of years when the team won 66 games or whatever it was, they kind of figured it out, man. They figured it out, surround LeBron with shooters, create the most space possible. If you can find another playmaker, great. They didn't have one other than Mo Williams, who was okay. Um, But then you saw what Miami did, right? After that first season, 
Um, and they still had decent shooters that first season. They had Mike Miller. They had uh, James Jones. They had Mario Chalmers. They had a couple of guys who could hit threes. Um, but that second season after they lost to Dallas, I mean, Pat Riley said the hell with this. He added Shane Battier to that group. The year after that, uh, they added Ray Allen to that group. And they just kept adding more and more guys who could shoot. Um, and a, an occasional guy like a, like a Birdman who's a good vertical spacer, right? And, and, and I think that also plays with LeBron, which is why I, of all the signings, the one I was least down on was JaVale McGee. Um, I just didn't love the fact that they were going to try to play him 25 or 30 minutes a night. That's <laughs> not who he was. Um, but I believed he had a similar skill set to Birdman um, in, in that sense, right? Like pretty good shot blocker and a guy who certainly plays above the rim, you know, pick and roll, diving to the rim, finishing at the rim, things of that nature, putbacks, et cetera. So that was really the only one I was kind of okay with, but not the way they were going to utilize him. I hated the Rondo signing. I hate I, I, the Lance one. I got to an extent because I do think that he can get streaky, at least from three. He does bring a little nasty. And I think every good team has a little crazy in them. You know what I mean? And I think that he's certainly that. Um, so I wasn't super down on that, but I didn't love it either. And the Michael Beasley one was just mind boggling to me because he's not a good three point shooter. He's a mid range guy who doesn't play defense who is not a high IQ guy, which is all LeBron was talking about, if you recall, at the podium after the finals, that he wanted to play with high IQ type players. And Michael Beasley didn't fit that mold. JaVale McGee didn't fit that mold. Lance didn't fit that mold. I guess Rondo fit that mold. But it was just wild, man, um, in regards to what they were doing. And, and I just said, look, I think that LeBron is good enough, if he's healthy, that he can drag any team to, you know, 47, 48, 50 wins, and I thought that was possible. And boy, was I wrong. Uh, even without the shooting, I thought they could still be, you know, a, somewhere between a four and a six seed. And uh, yeah, that clearly wasn't the case. And that, that, that's the way I looked at it in the, the same way you did in the summer. I'm like, what is going on here? Okay, I get you're trying to preserve the cap space, and I understand that. But like you said, I mean, he's sitting there talking about how the Lakers have shooters. It's like, no, you no, don't. No. I, don't no. I don't know where he got that from. And then, you know, hearing him say, uh, as a part of that video I mentioned off the top, they were like, he's like, oh, you know, I played in nine NBA finals. Dude, the last time you played in one was 28 years ago. And back then it was okay to wear shorts that looked like spandex on the court. Plus, on top of that, <laughs> on top of that, you would have got benched if you took a, a three on, on a fast break. And so I was watching this and, and I was just mystified as well because when I'm looking at Magic, and you hit the nail on the head, look, he, he's great. To me, he's also the greatest Laker of all time. Michael Jordan, the greatest NBA player of all time. Does that mean he knows what he's doing running an NBA team in Charlotte? No. And I think people have to have to get off kind of the holding uh, magic up on that pedestal and, and start questioning some of the decisions. And you know what? You'll give him the benefit of the doubt now because it's the first, you know, we're the second season, but the first with LeBron. But if they don't look at kind of building this as a team next year, how long do you think he's going to be able to be around? Yeah, look, I I'm with you. I, I think they're going to have to. They're going to have to carve out a plan. Like, you can't just do what you did this year, which is try to sign one-year type guys. Like, I don't think that's going to fly. I think you have to try to build something. Now, what that is, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know what's going to be available for them. It doesn't look great right now in free agency. And with the unfortunate situation with Brandon Ingram, I don't think they're going to be able to land Anthony Davis via trade either. Um, and by the way, Prior to that injury, I still felt like they were in the driver's seat potentially for that because I believe the key to free agency this summer is Kyrie Irving. 
for as much as everyone wants to talk about KD and Kawhi, Kyrie's the guy that controls everything. Because if Kyrie leaves Boston, Danny Ainge is not trading Jason Tatum, okay? Like, there's no chance in the world he's doing that. So that put the Lakers in a position to be the front runners, I thought, for Anthony Davis once again. And they could put, you know, all those guys back on the table, potentially, for Anthony Davis if necessary. And now with this Brandon Ingram situation, you know, his health scare, he's not going to be ready. Uh, to even resume basketball stuff for several months. So if I'm New Orleans, I'm going to take a wait-and-see approach on that. At best, maybe you can trade for Anthony Davis at the trade deadline. But even then, like, if you're New Orleans, you're going to be leery of the of the fact that he's already had this issue once before and what happens if it's a recurring thing, right? So, you know, the agent for Brandon can talk all he wants about this Uh, you know, that they uh, dodged a bullet and that he's going to be fine moving forward. Maybe that is the case. I hope that's the case. But he's not a doctor. I'm sure as hell not a doctor. And even though this is not the exact same thing Chris Bosh had, and I know that to be the case, um, you know, Chris Bosh dealt with what he dealt with. Uh, Mirza Teletovic dealt with something like this, and he's no longer playing. So, you know, if you're the opposing franchise in this case that's trying to make a deal with the Lakers, I just don't know how interested I'm going to be in Brandon Ingram. Um, but getting back to your original point about the Jerry West match mashup with uh, with Magic Johnson, it just illustrates, you know, that that Jerry understands still, even at this stage of his of his life in his 80s, what it takes to build a competitive championship style roster in this era, and Magic whiffed on his plan to zig while everyone else is zagging exactly and and that that one part like like you said you played it a lot uh, on the show today where he talks about you know that that would have been like cleveland along those lines i'm paraphrasing here but that yeah. would have been like cleveland and we didn't want that like why they made four straight finals and beat the best regular season team of all time following that blueprint which is what you said you know surround him with shooters and let him do his thing and and I, I think, you know what, the way Magic and Palenka, and Palenka said this in, in, a, in, a, in a, a preseason press conference that, well, our analytics team likes the moves. Like, dude, what did these guys fail? Grade 8 math? How, how, did they, how did they like the moves that you guys made bringing in all these guys on one-year deals who have historically never fit well with LeBron? Yeah, look, man, I, I, again, I don't, I, I don't know um, why they would say that. It, it doesn't sound, as, as you pointed out, um, like it makes a lot of sense, um, just from basic arithmetic. Um, so I'm with you on that. Um, but even some of the stuff magic said, right. When he was talking about, we want to build a team with tough guys, uh, you know, Houston, they don't have a ton of shooters. They have tough guys and Boston doesn't have a ton of shooters. They have tough guys. I mean, that's just factually inaccurate. You know what I mean? Like if you look at the Houston Rockets, right? Like, that team had a good number of shooters. <laughs> um, James Harden is an excellent three-point shooter. <laughs> uh, Chris Paul is an excellent three-point shooter. Trevor Ariza is an excellent three-point shooter. Um, they have guys that can shoot, or they had guys on that roster that can shoot. And, and Boston did too. Um, those young guys were hitting shots at a pretty damn good clip. Um, and they have other guys on that roster. By the way, Al Horford, for a big man, is one of the best big yeah, he men. he can bang them, yeah. Uh, right, who shoots from, from distance. So they have guys um, that, that shoot threes and shoot them at a pretty decent clip, whereas the Lakers, 
we're not a good shooting team and we're not a good free throw shooting team, nor this year, nor the previous year for that matter. So I don't, I understand that you maybe expect some growth, but you're expecting a lot more growth than um, what is the normal representation of a player, particularly a young player's career arc. Exactly. And, and that's where I just, I didn't understand the moves in the beginning. And a lot of people, you know, at the start of the season were saying, let them gel, let them gel, it'll take some time. And I, and I was saying this stuff when I, when I do the podcast and people would, you know, I'd get comments on Twitter, like, you don't know what you're talking about. Stop hating. I'm like, I'm not hating. This team is not, and uh, uh, this team is not a modern day NBA team. I want to get into one topic with you about the leadership, even above Magic and Flinka. And we'll do that right after this break. All right. And we're back. Sorry, Georgia. I wanted to mention this one thing too. Genie Bus and the leadership. Obviously, when, when uh, Jim was running the show, uh, that was back, you know, when they first bought in uh, Dwight Howard and Steve Nash. I was actually interning at ESPN 710 LA at, at that time. But uh, and I remember there was a lot, you know, going on with, with behind the scenes and, and, and Jim and Jeannie had their infighting. And now Genie Bus has come up and, and you're seeing all these rumors coming out now. You know, you had the Doc Rivers thing happen earlier this week. Uh, you've had obviously the, the, the leaks of, with the trade with Anthony Davis and the young guys and the fight between Magic or, or the heated, uh, I don't want to say fight, but the heated discussion between Magic and, and Luke Walton earlier in the season. How much do you think this franchise has been hurt by the fact Dr. Buss passed away? Because to me, when, when the good franchises like the Warriors and, and you look in teams, uh, you know, at the, in other leagues as well, whether that's the uh, Major League Baseball or the NFL, the teams who are really, really good you don't get rumors like this coming out all the time. A lot of that stuff stays in-house. So w when you look at the job Jeannie's done, I know she does a lot of great things for the community as well, not, not saying that, but how much do you think of an effect that it had when, when Dr. Buss ended up passing away? Oh, I think it's huge, man. Like, he had basketball acumen, right, uh, that he accumulated over the years. And Jeannie, for as great as she is from the business perspective, and she's fantastic, arguably the best at it, um, she doesn't have, and nor does she want to have, real input on the basketball side because it's not her expertise and that's why she entrusted magic and then eventually rob under magic to make all this stuff happen uh, but i do think that that makes it more difficult to assess what problems the front office may have because she doesn't have that person potentially to lean on whereas dr bus could do that just based on experience right like i think that having been there for so long having had jerry west uh, on his staff and then Mitch and whatnot like they he just had his own sense of what the franchise should do and what direction they should take um, and that's why even though he didn't necessarily meddle but he did have final say on stuff because he understood the business of basketball and I'm talking about on the floor still to some extent and and that's when you know organizations are premier organizations and functioning at optimal levels when you have everyone on the same page from the owner on down to you know the trainers and the support staff and all that and with the lakers since dr buzz is passing what you've had is two factions you've had the business side and the basketball side and neither side seems to be on the same page um while the business side continues to thrive and has always um thrived the basketball side has suffered because there's not someone there that truly understands um, that side of, of, of the business. Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, most good owners in sports, because you can't fire owners. Unfortunately, I know some, a lot of fans out there would want to get rid of guys like Robert Sarver. I'm a Niners fan, so I know how I felt towards Jed York for a long time. But uh, you can't get rid of owners. But when you look at it, 
ownership is at its best when it lets the basketball people run the show. And I think Genie, when you look at, obviously, I mean, it's the lure of Magic Johnson. You're in Southern California. This dude, anything he touches has, has turned to gold for the most part uh, in his professional career. And you, and you look at that and she said, all right, you know what? Magic, you're tired of, of seeing this team, you know, flounder the way it was during those uh, early gym bus seasons. And, and she gave him the reins. And it's almost like, yeah, you bought him Palenka because of his, his ties. He, he's a super successful agent, obviously, his ties with Kobe. But when you look at this, at, like from a, from a micro level, how much of a bad decision was that bringing these guys on? And do you think they should have went a more traditional route and bought in a, a, a guy who, who's had experience as a GM? Here's what I think they should have done, at the very least, okay? Bring in a consultant, a Jerry West type, hell, yeah. maybe even Jerry West, right? <laughs> yeah, he was right um, there for the bacon. To, have, to just be another voice in the room. Do you want to know what the best teams in that sport do? Um, when you look at teams who have had success here, um, particularly over the last decade or so, right? You look at the Warriors, obviously. You look at the Spurs. You look at the Miami Heat. You know what they have in common? What they have in common is that there are a handful of people that all have a voice in the room. So that way, when there are big decisions to be made, there are people um, with potentially dissenting opinions, right? And they can hash it out and discuss it and figure it out. Look, I grew up in Miami, right? I covered the heat for the majority of the early part of my career. I was there when LeBron was there, okay? And the one of the most famous stories um, that comes out of there is Pat Riley initially didn't want to take Dwayne Wade in the draft in 2003. And Randy Fund, by the way, uh, a, a name obviously familiar to Laker fans, was working for Pat as the GM at the time. And the story goes that he kind of convinced Pat, let's take a, another look at Wade. And Pat said, okay. And then Pat kind of started to see what Randy saw, that he had kind of star potential. And that's kind of the thing. Like, Miami has five, six guys in the room. The Warriors have five or six guys in the room, including the head coaches, by the way, in those two places. San Antonio has a similar setup. RC and Pop are kind of the top of that food chain, but there's a handful of people involved in that process. And they have a process. And I think that's what the Lakers are lacking in a lot of ways. Yeah, you can't have you can't have two guys, you know, like uh, basically an echo chamber for for Magic Johnson at this point. And I, and you know, you're bringing up the Heat, and you're looking at Dwayne Wade. It wasn't like they were sitting there. Uh, and when Dwayne Wade did get drafted, it's not like, and this goes back to Magic with Lonzo saying, "Hey, he's going to break all my records and put all this pressure on these guys." And and I think that's what the Lakers need to do. They have to look at the modern way of building a team. And I think. Magic, when he's looking at the NBA, great. Hey, man, you, you were amazing. You're one of the top maybe five you know, players of all time, top three, depending on who you talk to. Um, but if you look at it, you have to start to modernize and change and evolve with the game. It, it isn't the 80s and, and 90s anymore where it was, you know, these guys are tough and, and they're, you know, just basically commodities. These guys have personalities and you have to learn how to build the right team also from an on-court standpoint, but off-court standpoint. Uh, George, I know we're, we're short on time, but I want to get you out of here. Just a couple of quick questions for you. Number one, is Luke Walton done as coach of the Lakers? Of the Lakers? Yeah, if I had to guess, I think it's pretty much – it's been over for a while. Um, and, uh, you know, he's just basically playing out the season here over the next several weeks. So, uh, yeah, I, I think he'll, he's going to be done. Um, if I'm him, I, I wouldn't worry. I, I feel like he's going to get 
other opportunities down the road. And and because I think even though there are things that I think we can nitpick on, uh, I personally wasn't always a huge fan of his rotations, particularly his hockey substitutions at times. Um, but I, I think he he's a good coach. Like, I don't think there's any question. I think he he's a he's a young coach um, that that can be very good in this league at some point if he gets the right opportunity. Yeah, I, I agree. That's that's been the biggest the biggest flaw I think for him is mixing and matching and finding the right lineups. Like at points, not having either one of, uh, especially when Lonzo was out, not having one of Kuz, Ingram, or LeBron on the floor. I, I think and you know going with those five Correct. bench guys killed killed that team at, at certain points, and he was just unable to find the chemistry. I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt on the injury standpoint, uh, and I agree with you. I think Luke is is a good coach. I just think this was a, a no win situation for him. He was a dead man walking. Uh, coming in because he was inherited by by Magic and and Plinka. Yeah, and we certainly knew that about seven games into the season, right? If you recall yeah. that, and the admonishment uh, allegedly uh, that he received at the hands of Magic. So yeah, it's an unfortunate situation for Luke, but that's uh, that. It looks like it's a wrap. All right, George. I know we got to wrap up. Thanks again for coming on and doing this, man. Love love to have you on again at some point soon. Yeah, man, for sure, Jazz. Whenever you'd like, and if anyone likes to uh, wants to listen to the radio show, as uh, you mentioned earlier. Uh, 3.30 each and every afternoon on ESPN LA, uh, 7.10 on your dial. Uh, also can be found on the ESPN app. And uh, if you want to find the podcast, we can do that as well. Uh, the Sedano Show uh, podcast uh, is on Apple Podcasts, the ESPN app, and uh, you know Google Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you find your podcasts. See, that's, that's a true company man right there. <laughs> Thanks a lot, George. I appreciate it, man. You got it, bud. Anytime. And you can follow him also on Twitter as well, at Sedano ESPN. And don't forget to check us out on Twitter as well, at Lakers SBN. And go to the website, silverscreenandroll.com, where we have you covered for everything Lakers, stats, opinions, analysis, and more. And subscribe to the podcast network, would you? We're on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher as well. That does it for this episode. I'll talk to you all next time.